Welcome to devmode.fm, a, bo- a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. I'm Marion Nilovant. And I'm Mark Hewitt. And I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And today we have on as a special guest, Jason Langsdorf, pronounced as it is written, from Gatsby JS. Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. And we are today are going to talk about this thing called Gatsby JS. Um, and this is entirely unrelated to the Great Gatsby, correct? It's named after the Great Gatsby. Oh, nice. Oh, that's good. Very cool. Very cool. I you know, I mean, I guess the reading they made me do in high school is going to pay off then. Um, <laughs> but okay, so I'm I'm really curious. So I, I've long been a very performance minded person in terms of the applications and websites and, and web apps that I've done. So I checked out uh, Gatsby, you know, right when it was turning 1.0, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you were, let, let's say that you were climbing Mount Everest and there was a Sherpa there and the, the Sherpa is like, hey, um, Jason, what is this Gatsby JS thing? You know, what would you tell him in just a couple of sentences? I am I I'm climbing Everest like do yes. I, I <laughs> so you don't you don't have a whole lot of time you want to conserve your energy so you're going to give a concise definition of what Gatsby is uh, I understand okay um, so Gatsby is a framework for building web apps and sites that load quickly no matter where they're loaded from with without any need to deal with the boilerplate or setup um, our our goal is to really take it back to the days of when you used to be able to write websites by opening up a file, editing some code, and then seeing it in your browser. And that's the experience that we try to create with Gatsby. Hmm. So is it a CMS? No, Gatsby is, um, it, we're calling it like a content orchestration layer okay. or a content mesh. So we can, we consume content from any backend, whether that's uh, a, a markdown file something from a REST API, from a CMS, uh, another GraphQL API, and we pull all that together into a, a centralized GraphQL API that you're then able to build pages and, and various content from. So it sounds like it is kind of like um, Jekyll and kind of like Hugo in terms of it's a static site generator, but it, but it has an additional data layer on top of it? Yeah, it has a kind of a data middleware step where mm-hmm. we we pull data from a lot of different places and put it into one place. And then we generate static assets. Um, and then so that's where we're similar to something like Hugo or, or um, uh, Jekyll. But then out the other side, we also do one step further, which is we generate a static set of assets so that it'll work without JavaScript enabled and all those good things. But if JavaScript is enabled, we will also rehydrate into a React app. So you get all the dynamic capabilities of building a fully functional uh, JavaScript-powered single-page app. Hmm. So this is something that uh, it it almost sounds like it's part of the the builder deployment step, and I could just like deploy deploy it to Netify or something? Yeah, I mean, with the exception of um, a couple helper libraries that we supply, such as uh, our link and image components, you don't really use Gatsby when you're loading the website. Like Gatsby is almost entirely a build process. 
Um, so we, what we're doing is we're wrapping up really complicated performance tuning stuff, like setting up Webpack to do code splitting and asset prefetching and getting your service workers configured, getting your, um, you know, your, your Babel config, right. So that it supports the right range of browsers. So those sorts of things are all happening at build time. And then Gatsby kind of gets out of the way. You don't load a lot of Gatsby, um, once you get to the, the client side. Yeah, so there's just a little bit of the framework to kind of make it all happen. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, React, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, React is is kind of the... React and GraphQL are the two driving technologies that you're going to deal with when you're, when you're working with Gatsby. Now, do I have to know React in order to be able to use Gatsby, or is it something that can work without me knowing any React at all? Um, you don't need to know it deeply, but you you will be working with it. So you can uh, you can get by without knowing a lot. In fact, a lot of uh, we've we've got people who are working in code schools and boot camps or in colleges who are using Gatsby as a way to teach React because hmm. you're able to get up and and started very quickly without having to deal with the boilerplate or the the code transpilation or any of the things that can be you know huge hurdles for beginners. Right. Um, with Gatsby, you're able to just open a browser and see something and then change it and see it change. So it's a little easier to get your head around React when you don't have to deal with Babel and, and Webpack if you're a beginner. Yeah, so the funny thing to me is like at least parts of Gatsby remind me a little bit of uh, many years ago, uh, and it, it may still, I think they deprecated it, but I'm not sure. Uh, but Google came out with a page speed module, right, mm. for uh, Nginx and for Apache. And what it what it would do is it would basically rewrite your HTML, JavaScript, and CSS like dynamically and cache it, and then it would serve that up. And it mm-hmm. sounds like at least part of that process Gatsby is doing when it's kind of optimizing your website, right? Because it'll it'll do stuff like um, optimize your images, like code split things, and and do all that kind of good stuff, right? Yeah. So. The nice thing about working with with a framework like React is um, when you get into a component-based architecture, you're creating all of these neat little packages. Like my home page is a component. And so I know everything inside of that page is only going to show up on the home page. And we can then take those individual components, compare them, and you know we know very quickly, okay, so these are the things that show up on every page. And these are the things that only show up on these these particular pages. So we can create the minimum amount of JavaScript, the smallest possible bundle, to give you the best performance boost. And uh, mm-hmm. you can do the same thing with images. This image is on the screen, or this image is on the page, but it's not in the viewport. So have a reference to it and preload it, but don't actually start downloading it just yet, so that we can display the you know get something on the screen as fast as possible and not block for things that are off the screen. Yeah, um, I did the the talk that I did at dot all was on performance and the the rule was don't block the render. <laughs> exactly, right? And so Gatsby does all of that kind of out of the out of the box. If you um if you take one of our starters and run it through webpagetest.org, you're going to score straight A's and you'll get straight 100s on on the Lighthouse performance audit. Mm-hmm. And our philosophy is, you know, we want to make the right thing the easy thing. We want to make sure that developers will make the best choice for their users mm-hmm. by doing the laziest possible thing. So if you take a Gatsby site and make no changes and just update the content, you're immediately going to give an excellent experience to your users. So yeah. you have to do work to hurt the performance on your Gatsby site. Yeah, so you would have to intentionally screw it up, which I'm sure I'm sure it happens. 
Right. Google Tag Manager will do that. Yep. <laughs> or, <you> know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it sounds really interesting to me because this is something that it's not really just a static site generator. Um, it's not really just a uh, a build deploy tool that you know helps you optimize certain things. Um, it sounds like it's it's really trying to be this interesting kind of middleware, and maybe maybe that's where some people are confused about it because. One of the things that, you know, at, I was at that conference and I had a few guys uh, come up to me and they were talking to me about Gatsby, you know, because I mentioned it actually in the uh, in the talk that I did. And one of them, I, I probably answered this terrible, so I'm going to let you answer it better. Um, <laughs> but he said, what's the difference between using something like Next.js or Nux.js um, and using Gatsby? Like, where does Gatsby fit in? in that kind of layering of stuff. So the difference is going to be with Next.js, you have to host your app on a server. Um, and there's some convenience layer to that where if you're using a Next.js app, you can also co-locate your database access and all these other things. You can dynamically determine what's going to come on the page uh, during the server-side render. Mm -hmm. With Gatsby, you have to make all those decisions ahead of time. So you are statically rendering everything. But that doesn't mean that you can't do dynamic data. It just means that you have to take special considerations for it. And, so, and this is where my, my ignorance of Next.js may potentially come up. But I know with Nuxt, you can do a server-side pre-render. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Next.js can do that too. Isn't is that kind of the same thing as what Gatsby is doing? Uh, it's, it's very similar. It's, it's a matter of when. not um, So it's, it's the same ultimate solution. Uh, mm -hmm. Next does it on demand. So when I say, give me this page, Next says, okay, I have that page. I'm going to render it on the server side and then I'm going to send that up. Right. And, and so with Gatsby, you say, I have all these pages and Gatsby says, great, let me build that into static assets. Mm -hmm. So the, um, the main difference, I guess, probably to, to start with like the biggest trade-off with Next, you have to run a server and that server is going to cost you money. With Gatsby, you have only static files, so you can deploy your entire site to a uh, to cloud storage. So something like Netlify, something like AWS S3 storage, um, to Fastly, just to a CDN. You don't actually need a server anymore. And the um, where that starts to kind of get muddy is that if you want to have a dynamic site, you would still need to have something stood up, but you could then use like serverless Lambda functions as opposed to having to run a server. Sure. Um, and then when you start looking at scale, like if you've got a server that's running Node, to scale that server, you have to either scale horizontally or you have to scale in power, or if you're in an enterprise level, probably both. So you're looking at bare metal serving costs, which are really, really, really high. Mm -hmm. And then you've got all of the, the in-house DevOps headache of managing a server or, right. pay, or high overhead of paying somebody to manage that server. If you're using static assets, you're looking at um, you know pennies per month to have a pretty much like DDoS proof CDN set where you know you get your your stuff up on CloudFront and S3 or up on Fastly like it's very very difficult to DDoS a CDN um, and that it's so that's kind of the main difference is your hosting cost is going to go way down. Um, there's a, a mental shift in thinking about how to access data dynamically. But really, if you've been writing your apps in a, a React way where you make asynchronous calls to get data, that's how you do it in Gatsby. 
Um, okay. If you're used to making your data calls on the server side, then you have to shift to thinking to uh, front side asynchronous calls. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, something that a lot of us here use is craft CMS on the back end. Um, and we've done a number of shows on Jamstack and uh, CraftQL. Thank you for coming on, Mark, by the way. Um, and basically, you know, using Craft as an API server. And the interesting thing to me about the whole um, static pre-rendering of the pages mm-hmm. is that there are, there are tons of different ways to do it, right? So for some sites that I've worked on, um, we still have, you know, an actual VPS somewhere uh, running PHP, uh, running the CMS, but there's a varnish layer in between. Mm-hmm. So Varnish will static cache it, or we can be using fast CGI cache, which essentially what happens is request comes in, is the page in the cache? If yes, return it. If no, PHP executes, Twig renders the template, mm-hmm. that gets cached, then it gets returned, right? So, but at some level, you know, this, this static generation is being done. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like when we're using a static site generator or we're using something like Gatsby, we're, just, we're moving where this generation is done, right? Yeah, you're you're moving all of the potential errors to the the front of the process. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the ways that, that you could think about it is you're you're early binding your data. So, right. um, you, what that means is all of the things that could go wrong, you get an invalid uh, you get an invalid response, your API goes down, something like that. <laughs> that can't happen with static assets. So, right. when you're when you're hosting a server, those those APIs need to be available. They need to be um, the authentication needs to be there. You've got to have your your tokens all set up properly, and um, that doesn't need to exist with a static generated site. So um, one of the things that's really nice about that is that for uh, say like an e-commerce store, you can generate all of the product detail listing pages from an in-house database and then push those up to a static uh, a static host. And even if hackers were able to get access to it, there is no way to get back to the database because there's no link between the yeah. static assets and the database. Congratulations. So, Have fun viewing our HTML. Right. So they can deface <laughs> your site, but they can't get to your data. Right. So from a security right. standpoint, it's actually a, a great way of, of kind of protecting yourself. Um, you know, what you were mentioning about um, early binding the data, it, <laughs> kind of, it kind of made me laugh because... Um, is, I guess an analogy might kind of be like, you know, the difference between JavaScript and TypeScript, where in JavaScript, it, it's not strictly typed. You can assign, you know, one thing to another. If you try to do it in TypeScript, you're going to get an error before you can even build the damn thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind, of, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say it's almost exactly the same thing. Basically, yeah. what you're doing is you're saying, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's like if you were going to go... Um, uh, I was going to come up with an analogy and it, it failed me. So I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> well, and, and I come from uh, an older school and I know Marion does too, where, you know, we're developing stuff in C and mm-hmm. if you make a, you know, uh, if you have an int and you trying to assign a, a, a something else to it, it's just not going to compile. Or if there's an error in the code, it's going to seg fault, right? You're not going to have, you're not going to have it where like in PHP or JavaScript where it'll just be like, Oh, Okay. It's a different type. That's cool. I'll just kind of magically coerce it to something else, you know? Yeah, that's actually a good point because th- this is effectively that. You, you're you using Gatsby as a compiler. We're, right. we're running all of your dynamic stuff at build time so right. that there is no dynamic stuff 
uh, once you get it into the browser, unless you specifically build that with asynchronous calls. Right. Now I'm, I'm wondering though, like, you know, okay, so essentially we're moving where this is done, right? So mm-hmm. again, with craft, we can do uh, dynamic server-side rendered pages. We can statically cache them if we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where that step is being done, right? So if some data changes, um, they'll instantly be a result. But it sounds like with Gatsby, we would have to rebuild it and redeploy it. Uh, yeah, but it de- depending on how you're set up. Um, so for example, if you're using something like Netlify, which is what we recommend for most people on who aren't doing like massive websites, um, on Netlify, you can set up webhooks that will, whenever data changes in your, your CMS, it triggers that webhook, which will rebuild and redeploy the site automatically. So it, it, it doesn't require a manual step. Right. Um, and really whatever your, your CI setup is, as long as your CMS can notify something that things mm. have changed, then you can automatically rebuild and redeploy. Right. And, and we can also be doing stuff like, you know, some of the, obviously for performance reasons, whatever is above the fold, we're going to want to have that there and be statically rendered. But other things, we could just be loading them via an XHR, right? In terms of getting the actual data from our API server if we wanted to, right? Sure. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that stops you from doing that. Um, our, our general kind of guidance and recommendation on this is Mm -hmm. anything that doesn't change often. And by often, I would say less than hourly. Uh, if it doesn't change often, build it statically because that build that build doesn't take that long until you get into the tens or hundreds of thousands of pages. Mm. And the, um, the benefit of doing it that way is that the data is always available. Um, when you get into async stuff, typically we only recommend that if that data is dependent on something. So if you gotcha. are, if you're getting user auth data, like they log in and then you log things based on whether or not they're logged in, obviously you don't want to try to server render that ahead of time. It's going to be a nightmare. But, um, you know, if, if you don't need user input to determine what shows up on the screen, typically speaking, it, it can be statically rendered and usually that will end up paying dividends in terms of performance and and overall user experience. Right. So, I mean, all of us here work with a number of different clients and they're, they're used to, um, you know, being able to log in to an admin CP of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, making a, a change to something and then reloading the site and they're instantly going to see their change. Is that something that can still happen with, with Gatsby in the pipeline? So Gatsby is capable of doing rebuilds uh, depending on the size of the site within, you know, a few seconds. So yeah. if you've does ever it, had to tell your client, you got to give it, you know, a few minutes to clear the cache, it's effectively right. the same thing. Oh, okay. um, but what, is it a diff or does it rebuild every single page or will it rebuild just the page that changed or how does that work? Currently it rebuilds everything on our roadmap. We're working on tree-based diffs. So we, Mm. we want to determine what changed and Mm. only rebuild the things that were touched by that change. Right. Um, that is hopefully on the, like the it's, it's on our, our development fast track. It's a thing that we're very, very focused on. Um, I have no idea how hard it is because I'm not doing the really computer science part of this. So. I was going to say, it sounds hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have people significantly smarter than me working on that problem. So <laughs> right. all I can do is talk about that it's on the, on the plan. Um, right. But uh, another feature that we are, that's in beta right now, 
or I guess is in uh, it's in a closed alpha right now, nearing beta, is we are working on something called Preview, which is a uh, that's going to be a paid service. What Gatsby the company is going to offer, where right. uh, somebody who is working on their site when they make changes, the CMS is going to have that webhook, and we will be able to instantly update a, a like preview URL so right. that the uh, the client is going to be able to look at their changes in real time and uh, ch- like share that with people for feedback. And you know, you you reminded me of something important that I want to bring up. So Gatsby originally started um, as kind of a uh, a pet project of uh, Kyle Matthews, right? Yes. Um, but you, you're, you folks are no longer, you know, a fly by night organization, right? You've got, uh, I heard stuff about rounds of funding going into Gatsby and a whole bunch of uh, development going on there. Yeah. Um, and, and I was just wondering, like, you know, one of the things that we have to consider when we are choosing a tool uh, to build, use to build for our clients is, you know, are these people going to be around? Um, mm-hmm. And so what are your models for making money so that you are still going to be around? So um, Gatsby, the open source project is going to remain open source. There's no paid tier or, you know, freemium model where we're going to strip out functionality unless you pay. None of that. It's uh, no, no, uh, no pop-up alerts show up on my webpage. <laughs> none of that. No. No, okay. o- open source stays open source. What right. we're doing instead is we're building uh, part of the Gatsby ecosystem to be uh, optional paid products. And so that's right. going to include this preview feature, which is, uh, we kind of built it by popular demand. And the other one is going to be the, uh, the, the incremental builds, which is, mm. that's going to be like our kind of hosted solution. It's very resource intensive and, and, you know, uh, ultra tuned are, we're getting into like Kafka and Kubernetes and all sorts of fun things to make that happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and that's that's really important, though, right? Because when I, so there's a big difference between the price of something and the cost of something, mm-hmm. right? So there there are any number of fantastic open source projects, and I absolutely love open source. Um, and there's some really fantastic stuff uh, going on in that world. Obviously, I mean, the acceleration of the internet from its uh, inception to where we are today is a, is a testament to that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm looking at something to base my, my business on or my client's business, you know, I kind of want you guys to be making money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really do. Like I, 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 it's all well and good that the solution is free and I can install it for free. Um, but the cost can be very high if, if the people developing it don't have skin in the game, you know? I agree. I mean, I, so before I worked at, uh, Gatsby, I guess way like several careers ago, I ran a design agency. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we did was built marketing sites and, and e-commerce sites for mm-hmm. small to medium businesses. And when I first started, I had this idea that like, oh, well, free software is a risk. And so I would, uh, I would always try to build things in house. And then I started, moving out to open source projects, but open source projects were only as updated as, as the community could keep them. And a lot of them, you know, if you want a feature, you build it yourself. Right. So it's still right. my, it's still my effort making that happen. Um, and then we, we evolved as a company to start looking for like, Hey, we want paid solutions that do this really, really well. And right. we started recommending higher priced hosting because it was done better. It took less effort from us. It was less stress on our clients. Um, and ultimately that contributed to a better bottom line. 
And sure. that's kind of the same thing we're trying to do here with Gatsby. Like the people who are, are signing up for our, who are in our closed alpha, who are on our waiting list for the closed beta, they've been building their own in-house solutions to do what we're planning to offer. And right. they have to maintain that. They have to deal with it when right. it goes down. So we're right. letting them offload that that cost, you know, the the people they would have to pay to manage that in-house, the the hours, the pager duty when something goes down in the middle of the night. Um, we're letting them get rid of all of that. And, you know, they just pay us a little bit every month to, to take care of it for them. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. And, you know, there are many very, very popular um, open source projects that maybe uh, people don't directly profit from, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, React. Uh, Vue, uh, Laravel, I mean, any number of things, but the people around that either have an incredibly vested interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Facebook has a vested interest in React because it powers their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, uh, for instance, Vue and Laravel, lots of people are making good money in those communities by offering services and support and that kind of thing. Drupal has their, uh, what is that called? Uh, Aquios or something, right, Patrick? Patrick's our resident Drupal expert. <laughs> Aquia, yeah. Aquia, whatever. Yeah, and it, you know, whatever. So open source is, is awesome, but in some way, shape, or form, I want there to be a large group of people that have a really vested interest in it. You know, whether it's just the scale in terms of the number of people that want it, that you know that it's going to be around in, in good shape, um, or people are making money from, you know, services or support or, or whatever it is that uh, is around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's great to see that you uh, folks have taken on some VC and you've got a, a business plan for actually making money. Um, but I kind of I want to bring it uh, to Gatsby 2.0, which came out recently. Mm-hmm. And my experience playing with Gatsby, again, dates back to uh, dates back, you know, a year and a half ago or so. Um, and I've been eagerly waiting for uh, Gatsby 2.0 to come out. Uh, and then suddenly you guys had, were very inconsiderate about it. You released it when I was so busy that I haven't had time to really play with it. <laughs> we, we did but, that. We, we saw your calendar and we planned it that yeah. way. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I understand. I know how it goes. Um, <laughs> but we do, <laughs> we do have Mark Hewitt on who uh, we've had him on before to talk about his CraftQL plugin. And he has been doing quite a bit with Gatsby and, between the two of you, um, I would really be interested in hearing what is new in Gatsby 2 and why I should be excited about it. Um, so the kind of high level on Gatsby 2 and and the things that we're very excited about is we brought everything up to the most modern version. So we made a jump from Webpack version 1 to Webpack version 4. Uh, we got up to the, the latest stable release of Babel and a lot of the underlying architecture is now nice. at the the latest version, which means we get to take advantage of all of the advances they've made for free. Um, yeah. We've also done some significant refactoring internally to allow us to do things like what we call ludicrous mode, which is uh, if you are editing Markdown and you set your editor to live to save like on every key press, the oh, browser no. edits in almost re- real time. So you can using hot module replacement. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and so we, uh, you know, we, that's a, a really great feature for people who are working on their content. Um, we've also cut the, the build times by up to 70% in some cases, and mm-hmm. we're continuing to make efforts on those on that front because, you know, our goal is the, like our, our stretch goal that we keep 
kind of posted up on the, we don't have an office, but if we had one, it would be on the wall, uh, is we want to be able to build Wikipedia in less than 10 minutes. It would right. like all of the content, all the pages of Wikipedia, we want to be able to build it in less than 10 minutes. And if we figure if we can do that, we're like, we've, we've solved static building. Um, and now that's a really, really lofty goal. That's very aggressive. Um, and we're nowhere near that now, but you know, those are the, the types of efforts we're making. Um, yeah. Another one that's well, really what, big, and this is probably really relevant to to Mark, is um, we we put in support with the help of uh, Mikhail Novikov. Oh, I got I hope I hope we got his name right. Um, he <laughs> he's he's a famous Russian uh, ballet guy, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. So so he goes by Freaksinet uh, is his his GitHub user, which is why I don't remember what his last name is. Um, right. But he helped us build schema stitching into our GraphQL. Yes. Which means. That's what I want to hear about. Yeah. So what this means is that um, Mark's excellent work on GraphQL, you now no longer need any special plugins or anything to use GraphQL in Gatsby. You can just mm. go in there. Uh, it's, it's a source plugin called Gatsby Source GraphQL. And in that, you would just specify, here's my GraphQL endpoint. Here's the field that I want it to be queried under. And I think if you need authentication, you would pass along your headers to authenticate. And that's it. Like that's that's all you need. You can now build your site with your your craft CMS data with no additional changes. It's just available for you to use. Mark, how awesome is that? It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, and I think it, it's worth taking a step back for just a second because I think to understand kind of the gravity of how how awesome this is or how much of a big step this is in the in the original version of Gatsby one of the things that was so great is you could source your data from anywhere you right. could work with Gatsby and pull from you know markdown files or pull from an external rest api or pull from excel files even like you just pull from anything and that's an amazing well, feature yeah yeah wordpress right? drupal anything yeah. and it's an amazing feature of Gatsby that that's that's possible um, and instantly, as soon as, you know, as soon as craft came out, CraftQL came out, everybody wanted, can we, you know, build this into Gatsby? And one I of the bothering cha- you, I was bothering you about that relentlessly, <laughs> if I recall correctly. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And it, but it was, it was, it was an obvious thing. Like Gatsby uses GraphQL and CraftQL uses GraphQL. So these two things should fit together. Like the, these are two, you know, round peg, round hole, these should go together. Um, but the problem was with the original version of Gatsby, um, there's actually, there's an old GraphQL GitHub ticket that goes back and, and Kyle was actually kind enough to jump into the ticket and, and offer some insight into it. But the problem was, and I'm going to put this bluntly, but the problem was the Gatsby assumed that your source data was bad source data in the original version, in my opinion, like it assumed you had markdown files and there's no nice way to query markdown files unless you're using Gatsby and they're really nice GraphQL interface on top mm. of it, or you're querying WordPress or you're querying an Excel file. There's no pretty way to query those things unless you're using Gatsby with their nice UI and their nice kind of interface on top of it. Um, so to integrate CraftQL into Gatsby 1.0 would mean that you're implementing an entire GraphQL schema in Craft, and then you're re-implementing, you're, you're going through field by field and re-implementing that entire schema, you're building it like line by line, you're rebuilding that in code in mm. JavaScript and Gatsby. And that's, that was a challenge. And that was a, a deal breaker really. 
But yeah. the, the the schema st- stitching that that Jason was describing and that is now possible with 2.0, it, it takes that all away and it makes it makes it work kind of how everyone I think assumed it would work out of it. Like it takes like for anyone who's just coming into Gatsby cold, it kind of works the way you would expect it to work. Um, and that's a huge technical accomplishment, but it's a really great thing because yes, you can actually just query craft or query any GraphQL. You can query your GitHub um, version four API just directly from Gatsby. So if you have a homepage, you're just just like you would use craft.entries, you're using CraftQL. Or if you have, you know, querying GitHub, you're just right there querying the GitHub API right in your basically like your Twig file. It's a really, mm-hmm. really great thing. So just just to frame it, our customers who need a really nice content authoring experience can be using uh, Craft CMS on the back end, right? And our front end can be something that we build, uh, you know, with HTML, CSS, uh, and React. And then Gatsby can be the, basically the, the generator for it that then produces everything, right? So it will, it will pull in whatever, you know, if it's a blog page, it will pull in the most recent nine blogs and it will pull in all that data from craft and then it will statically generate the, the file. And then it will uh, allow you to then upload it to, you know, wherever you want, right? It's, it's kind of where it would sit is in between them, right? Yeah, yeah, it would be that glue. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the the thing that's really interesting about this too, and th- this is what got me excited about Gatsby in the first place, is that it's not just that you can pull in like your, your craft CMS data. It's that now you don't have to use any particular platform. So you can use craft CMS for the things that it makes sense to use craft CMS for. But... In that same schema stitching, you can now pull in, like if you're doing a a website that's about code or like a personal portfolio where you also want to reference GitHub, you no longer have to move info from GitHub into Craft CMS so that you can display it on your site. You Mm. You can use Craft CMS to manage the content of your site and then also just connect your GitHub and now use GitHub data to display your code. Or Mm. if you're um, in marketing, use our HubSpot plugin and just pull marketing data straight in or, or use the, the Airtable. Like Airtable is kind of like Excel with superpowers. Um, use that to pull in event data or to list a form so that people can submit job applications. Like all of these different things can now be done and the, the interface that it creates is one unified GraphQL source. So if your mm-hmm. front-end engineers learn how to use Gatsby, the experience of building any site from any data source is going to be exactly the same. Um, and that's the part that really got me excited because the, the yeah. way I came to Gatsby, I was working as a front-end architect at IBM. And um, I was on the, the IBM cloud team, which meant there were 30 plus teams all working on different microservices. And every single one of them had things coming from different places. There was different data. Mm-hmm. There was different, uh, different like component systems in place. Everything was disparate, which meant that if, a person on the IBM, so one product inside of IBM, if you move from one team to another, it was like getting a new job. You had to learn everything over again. Um, oh God. So Gatsby <laughs> created this, this, this layer that gave us the potential of saying, okay, front ends always work like this. And it doesn't matter where your data comes from. So just feed your data into this, this like middle, this content mesh and then build front ends the same way everywhere. Um, we, we never did, I never did get it through at IBM to actually move it. I've seen since I left, they've, uh, they've implemented a couple Gatsby things, which I'm super excited about. 
But don't worry, they'll, they'll hire you as a consultant at an exorbitant rate at some point in the future. That was the joke as I was walking out the door. Is they, they were like, "Well, what do we got to do to get you to stay?" I was like, "Hire me as a consultant." Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it. It really could end up happening whenever they catch up and get on board with it. They'll be like, "Hey, we know a guy that used to. He was. It wasn't that Jason guy." ranting about something like this for a while you know yeah i've been keeping in touch with my old manager there so i'm I'm hoping that it uh i'm hoping it happens so that that's really cool though so craft cms could be one of many data sources or you know whatever cms you're using could be one of many and if if data needs to be pulled in from uh some other service or whatever it's all via the same interface and in in that way gatsby is kind of like a hub and it's just kind of pulling in this data from all over the place and then spitting it out in this nice flat HTML file that you just deploy wherever the hell you want to, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and what, what we find really exciting about that is, is it allows these tools, the, the backends that we're consuming data from, they can yep. be best in class at the thing they're best in class at. And the people right. using them, the, you know, your clients or your team, they don't have to sacrifice uh, to get the best in class for, say, content management. They don't have to sacrifice and have kind of a subpar experience for managing tabular data. They can use right. the best in class solution for managing tabular data and then just consume it from there. Um, it, there's no, you know, you're not finding these situations like you used to get where, so like Magento, for example, is great for e-commerce and it's not great for anything that's not e-commerce. But if you used it as your your um, e-commerce platform, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Jason, I cannot let that go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on, wait a minute, Jonathan. I was wondering if anybody was going to speak up on that. Would you? Would you? Do you have any comments on Magento or Patrick? Do you have any comments on Magento being best in class for? So I did not say best in class. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> You just said they were in the class they, somewhere. Yeah, right? they, so they're they're a they're a perfectly usable e-commerce platform, but they're not great for managing a blog or managing your marketing pages or or inbound leads. Um, so you know when you start looking at that, it would be great if you could just use headless Magento, but then use Craft CMS to manage your blog and your your marketing pages, and maybe use HubSpot or Salesforce to manage inbound leads. Like those are great tools to solve all those problems. Um, you know, or, or, or use Shopify or use whatever. Um, so in conjunction with, uh, GraphQL, it's kind of like a Rosetta stone in a way, right? I mean, it basically will, it doesn't care where the data is coming from as long as you, I mean, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why we, we, we're, we've kind of coined the term content mesh, but we're hoping that it sticks because mm -hmm. that's the best way that we've been able to think about it is it, it takes content from anywhere and creates this kind of unified layer. So yeah, like you said, a, a Rosetta Stone. A content web. Yeah, right? yeah, something like that. <laughs> huh. I mean, it sounds really, really interesting to me. I mean, and I love the fact that you can spin up something with Gatsby, and if you don't screw anything up, you're going to get a performance site that is spit out the back end. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds fantastic. And I, I, I'm ready to be disappointed when I ask you this question, but is there, is there any thought or any consideration or any roadmap to allowing React to be one of many supported front-end technologies? Like maybe at some point there could be a, a view option for, for Gatsby? I had the same question. We have, um, we have built, 
how do I want to say this? Because I don't want to give you false hope. No, no, it's all um, it's all off the record. No one's going to hear it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so go, go ahead. Stop the, the recording. Four people who the, the podcast. Uh, recording guys. stop. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> The the recording stopped. You're you're good to go. Go ahead. Everything's fine. uh, The the APIs exist that would allow you to do that. So for example, Mm -hmm. we have hooks that are allowing um, MDX, which is like a a specialty markdown flavor that allows you to parse React components. Um, Our MDX plugin kind of hijacks the whole page rendering process and injects a bunch of its own tooling. So theoretically speaking, Absolutely, it's possible. Um, it is definitely not on our priority list. It's it's actually not on our roadmap at all. So if someone wanted to do it, it is technically possible. Um, mm. However, it's not getting any attention from the core team. And, and if I'm being honest, it, it's most likely not going to. Yeah, because if I look at something, that, uh, something like ViewPress, for instance, mm-hmm. which came out relatively recently, um, it obviously doesn't have nearly the scope that uh, Gatsby has, um, but it's really nice for being, you know, taking and, and spitting out documentation in a really nice manner. And I'm like, man, that is so close. Like if they if they could do something like that for Gatsby, I would be ecstatic. And from your perspective, I realize that, you know, at some point you have to focus on one thing and make it really good at that one thing. But from an abstract point of view, like it kind of doesn't really matter what front end language is being used, I would think, you know, it, it doesn't in the sense that, um, you know, JavaScript is JavaScript where it starts to break down is that we are, you know, we have to be opinionated about the way things are built to get the performance Mm -hmm. boost that exists. Right. So effectively what you'd be doing if you were to, to build a view plugin is you would be creating a wrapper that would feed view components into a React wrapper that would know how to consume and convert those into React. Uh, mm. Because then we could make the, the opinionated decisions on how to optimize. Um, so it's, it's possible. I've seen proofs of concept where people are, are doing cross-conversion between front-end frameworks. Um, I don't know if it's really practical uh, and I don't know what the the trade-offs would be in terms of, you know, would it cost performance? Would it would it have impacts on, you know, long-term maintenance or usability? I, I really have no idea. So there would so, there would need to be some a lot of research done there, which is like I said, it's just not something that we've got on our roadmap. All right, Mark. Mark, you're gonna have to get to work. <laughs> can your your next project can it be a, a, a view layer for Gatsby? I do, do like think? I do like view. I like view for a lot of a lot of what it does. But having used and I've been doing a fair amount of Gatsby and, and a little bit of Next.js recently, so I've been kind of immersed in the in the React world. And it's definitely it's it's a different way of thinking from view. Um, but there are definitely some things that I've I've definitely enjoyed more in um, there's a lot. There's a lot in common too, right? There's a lot in common. Well, I mean, let me change that. There's yeah. a lot in common from the high level. I think like they're both. If, if you're using them both as like, right. I don't want to use jQuery anymore, and I want to use something else on my front end, then I think React and, and Vue are, are pretty right. interchangeable. But when you get into the server side rendering right. and you get into kind of how the components mm. work together, um, I think that's where they where they start to diverge right. a little bit more. Yeah. So so it's it's they're definitely different. Um, and I, I want to make sure that we give um, everyone a, a chance to chime in here. 
Um, Jonathan, do you have any, any questions that you would like to run by Jason after you've listened to this for a little bit? Um, actually both questions were kind of answered in the question about front end frameworks. I did have that question uh, just cause I've been doing a lot of view work and I feel mm-hmm. like whenever something like this comes along, it looks so cool. And Gatsby does the, the resistance is always like, Oh gosh, I've, like I've invested all this time in, in, uh, building UGS applications. Now I have to, I have to start learning React. You know, can I pivot in the middle of a project? Is that going to work? Um, so that was my first question that got answered. The other question was basically, uh, you know, um, how clients are able to um, to make these changes uh, to a dynamic site with a CMS backend, and not the the product that he mentioned about preview actually sounds pretty interesting. So eventually, yeah. I'm going to get around to playing with it. It seems pretty compelling. And pursuant to uh, what you brought up regarding Vue, so Jason, if you have a smart front-end engineer like I know Jonathan is, and he knows re, uh, knows Vue pretty well, you know what would it? What would he? How hard would it be for him to pick up building something with Gatsby? He's not going to have to learn React inside and out to use Gatsby, right? Uh, not at all. For for a um, for a site that doesn't have a lot of like client interactivity. So if you were building a, a blog, a news site, some kind of a um, like repository of information that had mm-hmm. interactivity that kind of stopped at like, you can submit a form to get updates or something. The, the amount of React you would need to know is minimal. Um, hmm. where, where React starts to get challenging is when you start getting into state management. So if you need to pass data around React to different areas of the site or persist state, that's where the concepts start to get a little more heady um, because you're starting to look- Like like a commerce site. We might have a cart that we need to pass around or something. Exactly. Um, And and you can take, we actually have, so one of the things that Gatsby does is is everybody who contributes to Gatsby, we offer free swag. And so um, we built a store, an e-commerce store. All right, PR, PR is coming in. <laughs> I'm going to fix a typo in your docs. This is a, this is a good time to do it too, because it's October, which means that if you can, if you put five PRs up on open source, you get a t-shirt from Hacktoberfest yeah, and you get true. swag from us. So you can double up on your swag. Um, nice. <laughs> I can put off doing laundry for another week or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so our store is actually a good example of this. It's a, it's a React application built using Gatsby that um, it, we statically render all of the products ahead of time from Shopify. And then at runtime, we use Shopify's uh, JS SDK to manage the cart. And that's all done through React state management. Um, it's all open source on the Gatsby JS org on GitHub. So you can see kind of how that's set up and what the level of complexity is. Um, we use React Context, which is a built-in state management layer. There are tons and tons of options, as I'm sure there are. You've seen those for Vue. It's similar kind of thing. Um, you know, there's lots of different flavors based on what your preferences are. Hey, Marion, what about you? You've been you've been listening to us from your villa in Italy, <laughs> right? Right. Do, you, well, do you have any any questions for uh, for Jason that might have come up? I have some thoughts. I have to say that my experience with um, Gatsby is now an hour and a half old. And uh, <laughs> good job on your introduction to Gatsby on your on your uh, website. And so I was thinking, 
I've, I'm following most of this, and I'm thinking if I were to summarize, if I'm you know climbing Everest and I need to summarize Gatsby, <laughs> I would say that comparing it to Jekyll, which is a static site generator that I do know more about, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's different in that what you end up with is not just static vanilla HTML, but a React app, and it's different in that it's sounds like it's way better at pulling in data from somewhere other than local markdown files. So Mm. as a capsule summary, does that make sense? Sounds accurate to me. Yeah. Okay. And, and something that I'm not, you know, I haven't used Jekyll a ton, but I think something else that Gatsby would bring to the equation are all of the, uh, the build time optimizations that uh, Jason was talking about. Right. In terms of like, it's going to do critical CSS for you, right? It'll just do it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it not only gives you a React app, but it gives you a, an optimized thing versus, yes. you know, you run Jekyll and you get pretty much, you get out what you put in. Yes. Right. And that's, I think, maybe the, the biggest win from a user experience standpoint. Um, so the, the things that you listed, uh, the, the, data access and, um, and being able to rehydrate a React app, those are the, the, um, like the developer experience gains. That's what you get mm-hmm. as a developer is a much more pleasant experience of working with data and displaying things. From a user experience, like users don't care where the data came from right. or how much fun we had building a website, but they do right. care whether or not it loads quickly and they do care whether or not it's uh, dependable. And so the, mm-hmm. the optimizations that we do under the hood those are those are like the user experience wins. So we're we're trying to align those things again. You know, we're trying to make the right thing the easy thing. So we make it fun for you to make great decisions for the people who use the things you build. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important point that I want to make sure people that are listening are, are getting is that because this thing is statically generating this stuff, like you can just stuff it up anywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, on just on a raw CDN, and it's going to load, and the the load time in terms of time to first bite is going to be, you know, whatever the, the limitations of your connection are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be super quick because there's nothing server side that's rendering anything, right? Uh, and then the optimizations that Gatsby does ensures that the in-browser rendering is optimal as well once that payload is delivered to their browser, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, that's pretty sweet. But um, and it uh, looks like Jonathan, you wanted to chime in here on. Yeah, something? I just had a quick question. This is maybe more of yeah. a practical question, and maybe even a question for Mark um, to jump in on too. So this is not a craft podcast, but a lot of us use craft. Um, if you have a site that's very has a very complicated hierarchy to it, let's say complicated data manage with a matrix field. I mean, how, how difficult is this to implement in something like Gatsby using React versus, you know, we all know how to do it in Twig. It's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. Is this a giant leap um, in terms of uh, rendering this data uh, coming from um, using Gatsby and, and React versus using Twig? Or is this is it similar, just different? Yeah, this is Mark. I'll take a first pass at that. And Jason, correct me or interject if you if you feel the need. <laughs> um, so just speaking personally, one of the things I, I enjoy and one of the things that I put into CraftQL is to try to keep the API of CraftQL as close to craft.entries as possible. 
So when you're interacting with GraphQL through Gatsby, through GraphQL, when you're interacting with your data in Gatsby, it should feel very similar to how you interact with it through Twig. So if you're pulling a matrix field that's on your homepage and the matrix field is a bunch of content bands with images and videos and all of that stuff in it, um, you would normally in your Twig file do craft.entries, you know, get your entry, do custom field, you know, loop over custom field. It would be the exact same in React. You would, you know, have your GraphQL query, which would look just like a craft.entries, and then you'd use JavaScript loops as you're going through the matrix blocks. Um, so I, I think it would feel fairly similar. One of the trickiest things that I've seen people get hung up on with React and Gatsby and JSX in particular is, you know, everyone likes to say that, you know, JSX is and and JSX is just JavaScript, but it's not, you know, it's not 1990s JavaScript. It's it's 20, 2018 JavaScript. Um, so we're using a lot of different kind of loops. We're using a lot of different kind of, um, it just, it, it looks different. Um, we're using different iterators, generators, things like that to loop over um, our things. There's no like if else conditionals. Um, you're using like weird ternaries to kind of fake a conditional because you want to shove it into one line. So I think at the end of the day, it's easy to say, yes, it's very similar, but it does, it does feel different. It looks a little different um, because you're, you're, you have to be comfortable with, with ES6, with 2018 JavaScript, um, because it, it is different than, mm. you know, this is a Twig template language. It's not. It's, it's JavaScript shoved into HTML. Right. So if you're reasonably familiar with ES6 JavaScript, it's not a huge leap to go from mm-hmm. doing it in the Twig to doing it um, in React or in JavaScript. It sounds like it depends on what you want to do, right? Yeah. I mean, at least from That's what uh, Jason was saying, I mean, depending on what you want to do, you know, I mean, you, you may not be writing a, a ton of custom React stuff. Um, but I guess that's another question that I had uh, for Jason. And, and Patrick, don't worry, I'm going to get to you. Um, but <laughs> let's say that I I have an older site, right? Mm-hmm. And I want, I'm thinking about, you know, playing around with Gatsby and maybe just in my spare time, I'll, I'll start um, moving it over and see how it all works out. Um, but let's say there's some JavaScript on there, like it's just, you know, vanilla-ish JavaScript that maybe it's a podcast player, for instance, right? And it's some jQuery dependent, uh, you know, whatever player. Is that something that I can just pull in and use on my Gatsby site or does everything have to be pull, uh, pulled into React in some way. You can use um, you can use any third-party JavaScript that you want. The, mm-hmm. the caveat to that is that you have to make sure that it fires in a way that is going to wait for React to be loaded. So mm-hmm. one of the big problems that you'll run into with, uh, with React is like, when you load a React app, you're on the homepage. Um, when you go from your homepage and navigate to your blog page and then click into a blog and then that's where the podcast player is, from the the app's point of view, you never really unloaded the page, right? So if right. your podcast player is loaded on the homepage and it looks for a podcast player, doesn't see one and quits, then it'll be confusing when you get there and it doesn't work. So mm. you you can do it. It may not work right out of the box is the the short answer to that question. Yeah, it sounds like it might be kind of painful to shim that in, and it might be might be better to just look for a React 
way to do it, right? It, it depends on what the level of complexity is, right? Because if, you, if you've got something that is a few lines of code, like for example, I had a little scroll helper on my old site that was, if I clicked a button, it would scroll to a certain part of the site and I didn't want to rewrite it in React. So I just put it in the, the right event handler in React to let it continue working. Yeah, so you, you wrapped it in React and then away you Exactly, go. yeah. So it wasn't like, you don't have to rewrite everything. Um, but it, it is right. definitely like complicated JavaScript stuff that's not written in React may behave yes. oddly if you try to put it together with React. Yeah. Uh, Mark, did you want to say something? I see that you are, uh, you got your hand raised here. Yeah, I'll just, I'll interject. Um, the one thing that I, I really like about, you know, where JavaScript has, has come, and I think it's it's been a bumpy ride for the front end community to get to where where it is today. Um, but I think, you know, your, your use case is a good one. You know, I have an old podcast player that's written in jQuery. How do I bring it into React? Do I just bring my jQuery in? Um, but I think one of the nice things that Gatsby does and one of the nice things that all these frameworks do is they force you into a more component mm. framework or a more component like state of mind. So chances are there's already a podcast component out there for you or a player mm-hmm. component out there for you that you could just pull in. Um, and even if there isn't, even if you write it yourself, even if you copy it in, you're going to copy it into a reusable .js React component mm. that chances are, and this is a huge generalization, but chances are is infinitely more composable, infinitely more you know, movable to your next project than you know the line 15 through 43 of your script.js <laughs> jQuery file was. That, that, you, that you copied from Stack Exchange. And exactly. And I, yeah. I mean, I've lived that. I've done that for so long and I still do yeah. that for sure. Um, right. But I, I think that Gatsby and specifically, you know, starting with pages and pushing you into components, it, it kind of, it doesn't force you, but it, it's kind of hard not to build reusable components um, yeah. using Gatsby, so, which is a nice so thing. Take, so take the opportunity instead of trying to shoehorn it in, take the opportunity to look around for a uh, React way to do the same thing, like look yeah. for an analog, right? Yeah. yeah, the same way the same way we probably all did when we first implemented the podcast player. You know, right. we looked for a jQuery one. Now we just go out and look for a look for a React one. Yeah, and that's the same thing that I've done whenever I've adopted uh, some kind of new core technology. Is okay, you know, instead of trying to to shoehorn the old way I used to do things into this, how do they do it? You know, what's the what's the right way to do it in this layer or ecosystem or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to make sure we get Patrick on here. Patrick, you've been listening to us talk about this. Are you considering for some projects, maybe, you know, pitching it to some of your clients is, is something that you would wrap in there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like how much it, uh, you know, kind of takes care of all the routing for you and um, the build script and Webpack and all the things that I don't <laughs> want to be spending my time getting really good at. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking of that meme with the guy with his arm around his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. He's kind of looking back, and I feel like I've had my arm around you, and now I'm starting to look at React now. <laughs> and the uh, the one with Paolo, like I'm like maybe React is right. the way I should be going. Like, yeah, I, I'm really interested to check this out. I, I was already telling one of our contractors that I'd really like to do a Gatsby front end and connect it. You know, start with a basic site, get our you know. Um, get yeah. experienced in that first, um, but it sounds like we can also do. A whole I think lot a more. great way to do it is like mildlygeeky.com. You know, like you know that, that yeah, can be yep, your yep. project to kind of dink around with and play around with and, and move it over to Gatsby and, yep. and see how that works out for you. Yeah, yep. yeah. No, I mean this this sounds this sounds really really interesting. 
I mean, I, especially in, in, <laughs> this is kind of funny, you know, Patrick is talking about not wanting to have to, you know, do deep dives in Webpack. And that's where my brain has been for like the past month is getting deep <laughs> down into this stuff. But it is, it is really compelling. I think one of the reasons why a lot of websites perform terribly is, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that are doing them, it's just way too much to try and learn and do all of this themselves and still deliver the project on time when the client wants it. Mm -hmm. And to have some kind of tooling in there that says, you know what, we're going to do this the right way. And as those standards modernize, like we're going to modernize too. And all you have to do is build the stuff uh, through Gatsby and you're going to get a fast site out of the gate. I mean, that that's really compelling, you know? And there's more coming on that, that front. Like we, for example, are working on composable themes at this point. Mm -hmm. So um, similar to the way that right now in say WordPress, you would install a theme and then you kind of build a theme on top of that theme to just modify what you need to modify. Uh, and then mm -hmm. you can update the base theme without any risk to your modifications. Um, we're building that in. Wait a minute. Well, hold on. Did you just say WordPress and theme on our I podcast? I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. But the, uh, you know, the hey, general. We're going to have to record another podcast. We're just going to scrap. The show's <laughs> over. The show's <laughs> over. <laughs> That's it. Table flip moment. Um, so <laughs> sorry, we're, ahead, we're working on that, which will allow you to not only get like the Gatsby core set up, but also all the benefits of whatever, whatever sub themes you use. So if you pull in the, hmm. the blog sub theme and also the podcast sub theme, those will compose together to give you a blog selection and a podcast selection. And then those can update hmm. under the hood and your, your front end modifications won't get, uh, they won't get overridden. Um, and then we, uh, we are also working on a lot of ways to, to what Patrick was talking about. Um, we're also working on a lot of ways to help onboard people into Gatsby uh, one of the ways that we're doing that is, for example, we offer free hours of pair programming to anybody in the community who wants it. We have a page in our contributing section on how you can get involved. And there's a, a link there to sign up for an hour of time with one of the, the project's core contributors. We'll just get on a screen share with you and work on whatever you want. Um, you know, we're doing the, I, the swag. To, that, sorry, go ahead. That, that just reminds me of a... <laughs> A funny story. I got a buddy of mine who shall rena remain nameless that found uh, a site that was offering pair programming. Mm -hmm. And and this is absolutely horrible and I'm not condoning oh, this, boy. so nobody do this. But he would he would go on and sign up for the pair programming and just try and be as incredibly dumb and thick <laughs> as he possibly could <laughs> to see if he could just absolutely tilt the, the people he was programming with and make them just rage walk away. <laughs> Anyway, don't, nobody do that. Nobody I thought it was going to be like trying to turn into a dating thing. Like just, I, I thought that was going way worse. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Not nearly you, as bad Patrick. as I thought. I'm glad. I'll, I'll try to do worse you'll, next you'll, time. You'll, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Jason, this all sounds really cool. So let's say that we, we are a freelancer mm -hmm. or we work at an agency and we're, we're interested in giving Gatsby a shot, finding out more about it. Where do we go? Uh, the easiest place to go is gatsbyjs.org. And we have a tutorial there that you can follow from absolute zero. We, we assume no knowledge. So we've even got sections on what is a CLI? How do you get node? All those things. Um, we'll go from there all the way. Thank you very much. 
Um, but we, that's uh, all props to Shannon Soper and Amberly Romo who have done a, just an incredible job of cleaning up our tutorial and, and making it accessible. Um, nice. But they, so that tutorial is going to take you from kind of zero to having built a site that's got dynamically generated pages and it's using GraphQL and you're compressing images and deploying to, uh, to a CDN, like all the, all the steps you're going to need. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, I, I live stream building stuff. I pair program with people from other companies to build things using their products in Gatsby. Uh, later on today, uh, I'm doing a live stream with, uh, with a woman named Katie Fujihara. She's going to build her first Gatsby site. She's a React beginner, so it's going to be... Oh, so that's a, that'd be a perfect thing to yeah, watch. Yeah, right. So that's right? what we're trying to do is, is create more of this, this content that kind of just shows people. We want to meet people where they are and help them help them get into this stuff at a level that makes sense for them. You know, I feel like a lot of times, especially in front end today, we hit new projects and the project just has this mountain of assumed knowledge. You know, you, you, you know, like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, you got to know ES6, you got to know, uh, you know, all these different like architectural terms or state management. And, and when you go to a project and it's like, yeah, f- before you can even like start with this, you need to know these eight background concepts. We're, we want right. to get away from that. We want to make it like, hey, do you want to build a website? Let's get something on the screen. Um, and so we're, right. we're trying to create content and, and work with people to, to make that happen. So that's a, that's a lot of what we're trying to do now. So Patrick, uh, what do you all think? You think that uh, Billy D uh-huh. should pair, do this pair programming thing and, and try to build the, the website for his Buffalo hides? You think that's a good idea? I, I think he'd benefit greatly from that. Um, I'd love to see more about uh, where people can find those screencasts recording in the show notes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he'd definitely benefit. All right. Well, Jason, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. Uh, but that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast to have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at devmode uh, uh, FM. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. And that is where we will also have links to all of the stuff that we talked about. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Jonathan Melville. I'm Marion Nilovan. I'm Mark Hewitt. And I'm Patrick Harrington. I am going to stop this recording and Mark, I know you had a number of questions that you wanted to grill Jason on that you probably didn't get to.